G'day and welcome to the Outpost Church podcast. It is so important to us that we would live as disciples of Jesus, that we would not just think about things, but we would put them into practice, that we would be practitioners of what Jesus says. And this this term of being an apprentice has really captured my heart over these recent years and I want to continue to be an apprentice of Jesus. I want to call others into that as well. And today we look at one of the most basic foundational things about the Christian faith and it's prayer. And it's just hit me again of this answer, basic answer to why would we pray? Well, the God of the universe has invited us into a relationship with him. And this is the means by which we communicate. Like It is a pretty strong argument as to why we would actually pray is because God himself has invited us to. And as we look at this together, I hope that we, you and me, are stirred to pray more and not as this thing that we ought to do, but as this thing that we get to do. What a privilege, what an honour that we would pray. It is something that I have um, been up and down with over the course of my life and I'm going to share some of that in just a minute we'll cut to the the teaching from Sunday this week and I hope that you join us for that but also before we go there I just want to recommend uh, that you scroll back a little bit in our archives and have a look at our discipleship training week from February where we focused on prayer for all of those sessions we had different people that were inputting into each day and absolute gold uh, absolute gold i just got an email last week from someone who was there for a couple of the days and was remote for a couple of other days and i uh, was just saying once again that they've been going back through and spending time just listening to those podcasts again and it was just a yeah a great reminder for me that what we do put out is intended to not just be uh oh yeah here's a nice message that will hopefully you know make you feel better But no, this is about practically putting into practice the things that Jesus has taught. Um, And we want to do that for ourselves. We want to encourage you in your walk. Uh, Wherever you're at, we hope that this encourages you to actually put some things into practice. Um, Yeah, so there's, there's one message that Christy preached and it was around the authority that we have in prayer. And just the simple reality that God has set things up to work through people and he has done that right throughout history and we see that in the purpose of prayer Um, and I yeah would love for you to take the time to listen to to what uh, Christy has presented she builds the case really well it's really helpful um, and stepping through scripture in order to do that so I encourage you to have a look for that message from February of this year and um, I'm going to sign off for now and throw you to this week's teaching and, and hope that it's an encouragement to you. God bless you. I just invite you to receive these words. This is Paul, beautiful prayer that he prays over the Christians in, in Colossae. He says, we are asking that you may be filled 
with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. It is what he has done. We are the recipients of his good work, and it is for us. We're going to look at prayer this week and, and next week, and as Christy mentioned before, this is one of our core values, this idea that we, we pray first. It's not something that we do as an afterthought. It's not something we just feel guilty about not doing more of. It is something that we do first. And this week we're looking at why, and then next week we're looking at how. Just this idea of pray first. And um, I've had lots of experience of prayer, varied experiences of prayer, as I'm sure you have as well. And one moment that stands out as a bit of a pinch myself moment where I was invited to pray in a context I did not expect happened up in Darwin. And it just so happens we've got some good Darwin friends here tonight. But this was footy training. It was um, Thursday night footy training. And the coach comes up to me and he says... You might not know this, but I'm an old Catholic boy, and I believe that blessing is important, and I just would love it if you'd be able to say a blessing over Paddy for his last game on the weekend. And I was like, okay. I mean, I wasn't a pastor at the time. I was just teaching full-time, but he obviously knew that I was a Christian, and he comes up to me and asks me to say a blessing over Paddy. Um, so we're in the change rooms. We're about to run out onto the ground, so he gives the final G up, and then we're all huddled in, and he says, oh, Shana's just going to say some words for Paddy uh, before his last game. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm going to pray. And it just so happened that I'm right there, so I'm like laying my hands on him anyway. So I start praying, and as it turns out, the whole team were laying hands on Paddy. Um, so start praying, and then I get to the end, and I say, in Jesus' name. And the most surprising part for me of this whole scenario was the resounding, Amen. Like, this wasn't just me saying amen at the end. There was a whole bunch of blokes who I don't know when the last time they prayed was, but it certainly was an unusual pre-game event for us to be praying. Um, but they knew that when someone says in Jesus' name, enough of them knew to say amen afterwards. I had kind of the opposite experiences recently in a primary school where I was sitting with a junior primary student and he brought a book to me, and we get to this page on the praying mantises. And um, he's like, oh, I know why they're called praying mantis, because they hunt their prey. And I was like, yeah, they do hunt their prey, but I think they're called praying mantis because it looks like they're praying. And I make, you know, sort of the classic prayer hands. And then he goes, oh, and he's like, what's praying? I was like, ooh, that's interesting. What's praying? Not just thinking it was strange to pray, but not knowing what it was. And it's been said that what one generation fights for, the next generation takes for granted, and the next generation ignores or has no idea about. 
And I have this concern that personally, some of the greatest prayer warriors I've met are now dead. Many of the greatest prayer warriors that are currently alive are in their twilight years. We don't have the value for prayer that I think previous generations have had. And that's significant. And the fact that there are young people who don't even know what prayer is, is not the worst thing that could ever happen because for many people, it would be better they had no idea and no experience of prayer than their current idea and experience of prayer. Because for many people, prayer is actually a negative thing. And it might be that it's just ritualistic and boring and ineffective, or it might be that it's been a manipulative thing for them at some point in their life, or an actual negative experience. But there are many people who have these negative experiences of prayer, and many people that just have no experience of prayer. As I think back over my journey, um, my first experience of, of prayer meetings was something that some of you might be able to identify with, and that was sitting in a circle, going around and just sharing a whole bunch of prayer needs, and then it would be time to go back and repeat the exact same things that we've just been talking about, but now we've got our eyes closed and we're talking to God instead of to each other. And so that was my experience of prayer meetings. I didn't go to a lot of prayer meetings uh, as, a, as a teenager. And then I just had some different experiences that shook things up a little bit for me when it, when it comes to prayer. And one of them was as a young adult camping with a bunch of young adults from a few different churches and this one girl gets up and she comes out of her tent. And we've been up for a little while. She gets out of her tent and she's got her Bible in her hand. Um, and she's like, I'm off to spend some time with my best friend. And off she goes to have her devotional quiet time. And it was one of those moments where everyone there was heavily involved in church life. And we all got shamed big time <laughs> as this one girl comes out and does what we all should have done. And... That was my experience of, of her, was that she had a genuine relationship with Jesus and it challenged me and it challenged mine. Because it wasn't just something that she ought to do, it was something that she did and she thoroughly enjoyed doing because it wasn't about being passionate about prayer, it was about being passionate about Jesus. Prayer is the vehicle through which we commune with him. We get to pray, and it's not that we want to be more passionate about prayer as a thing. It's that we want to be more passionate about Jesus and the fact that we have this relationship with him and we get to experience him daily. I had another experience uh, with a guy called uh, John Peters. And some of you would know John or know of John and, and know his three amazing sons. Um, but when I got to know John, um, he was probably in the very early stages of, of dementia. And he had early onset, so he was relatively young. And, um, but his speech was a little bit affected. But every time he prayed, it was like he was speaking his native language. He just was the most fluent that he ever was when he was talking to Jesus. And there was something that was really beautiful about that. And it's just interesting how these, these different moments just introduce us to the fact that there's more and it's not just about sitting in a circle, not just about repeating things and asking God for stuff, but there is more to prayer than that. 
I had a, a personal training prayer moment with a guy called Lindsay. And he was from Perth. We met in Canberra for this prayer conference. And it was something else. Like the prayer meetings that he would be involved with involved him just getting behind the person that was praying and getting around him. So instead of just the, mm, or yes, Lord, yes, Lord, you know, when someone's praying, like he was like, that's the one. Come on, there's more, Shano. There's more. Come on, don't quit. There's more. Like he's louder than that. And he didn't have a microphone. Like he was getting in and he was encouraging whoever it was that was going for it in the moment. Completely different experience of prayer. And I do remember weeping over Canberra. That was the city that we were meeting in and we were praying for this city. But just something about an atmosphere, an environment where people were entering in in a completely different way. There is more to prayer than what I know. There is more to prayer than what any of us here know. And I want us to enter into it. I want us to be more passionate um, because we need it. I want to have a look at a a few scriptures today. Um, And I want to look at what the Bible has to say about why we should pray. What would be an appropriate prompt for us in order to start praying? And the first one is a little bit of a surprise for me. And it's from the passage that I just read out before in Colossians. So back it up just a verse. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 says, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. And then it goes into the prayer. So my question for you, if you can open up your Bibles, grab one on the screen, a few physical copies that are around the place. But I want you to have a look at Colossians chapter 1 and back it up a little bit more. And I want you to have a chat with the person next to you. What is this reason? So when he says, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. What is this reason? Have a look. All right, what do we got? What's this reason? Okay. So because they're loving others, that's why they need prayer. Yep. What else? Yeah. Not really about us, for this reason. Because he's so good, because he has so much that is available for you, for this reason, we haven't stopped praying for you. Maybe it's not about us. That's an interesting thought. Maybe it's about him. Because if you look at how they're going, verse 4 tells us that we've heard of your faith and love. Verse 6 Tells us the gospel's bearing fruit among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. Verse 8, Epaphras has told us about your love in the Spirit. So it seems that they're going pretty well. But for this reason, I think you've nailed it, Chris, simply because there's more available. But it's kind of like because things are going so well, we got to keep praying. Often we think because things are going bad, We need to start praying. But he's actually saying things are going really well. And for this reason, we're going to pray. And here's what we're going to pray. And it is a beautiful prayer. 
not just when things are bad, when things are going well, because there's more available. All right, let's flick over to, we'll go left, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's not too far left. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And Paul says this, We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength, so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. How's Paul going, do you reckon? That's a rough time. Despaired even of life itself. Felt like we'd received the sentence of death. It's a pretty dark time. But very interesting to see what happens next. So he's got this perspective, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death, and he will deliver us. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again. And here's where we come in, and here's where our prayers come in. Verse 11, while you join in helping us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. So we've got these different prompts to pray. And Christy referenced before saying that maybe she should set an alarm so that she remembers to pray for the two for two for 22. It is helpful to have different prompts in our life that just bring us back to that place of prayer. And the more prompts we have, the better. Because if you really look at it, everything is intended to be a prompt for us to pray. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's ugly, let everything be a prompt to pray. But this is significant in that it's telling us that prayer actually makes a difference. It's telling us that Paul's not, you know, Paul, Apostle Paul, who saw all sorts of different things happen, knows how much in need he is of other people to pray for him. It wasn't just him and Jesus. He needed the prayers of others. And he's crediting the prayers of others with significant things. While you join in helping us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. Prayer does make a difference. We see a similar idea in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, where he says, I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's going to happen through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Interesting that it's not just by the Spirit of Jesus, but it's through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus. Of course, it is the Spirit of Jesus that's doing it, but it's done through our prayers. John Wesley, it's a slight paraphrase, but said, God does nothing on earth except through believing prayer. That's a massive statement. God does nothing on earth except through believing prayer. Prayer matters, and prayer does make a difference. Let's have a look at, this is going to be our focus uh, passage for the rest of our time tonight. And this is James chapter 5. If we're turning right to James chapter 5, and we're starting at verse 13. 
We do actually have this one on the screen as well. Is there anyone among you suffering? He should pray. There we go. So let suffering be a prompt to pray. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Who are you singing praises to? God. So by definition, that is a form of prayer as well. And it is easy if you are suffering just to focus on the suffering and to get stuck in that place of lamenting what's going on and just struggling with it. But that that would be a prompt. When we are suffering, we don't deny the fact that we're suffering, but we pray. Our focus is prayer. It's what we do first. Is anyone suffering? Pray. We don't forget about God in the midst of the dark times or in the midst of the good times. Both are a prompt to pray. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. So you see those two things side by side? It says the prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. So the prayer is a significant part of this. That it's the Lord that raises him up, but it actually says quite clearly it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick person. You see an interesting process is introduced there. Like most of what we get in the New Testament just says to, to heal the sick. Here is one time we're actually told to pray for the sick. We see an example in what Peter does in Acts chapter 9 with a lady who had two names, Tabitha and Dorcas. I would definitely just stick with Tabitha if I were her. But she passed away and Peter was called to go up um, to her and he's in the room by himself with a lady who is dead and he kneels down and he prays and then he turns to the body and says, Tabitha, get up. And she's raised from the dead. So he prays and then he commands that the body be raised. It's an interesting dynamic. Prayer is involved. We don't know what he said when he was praying. We do know what he said when he turned to the body. But here we have a prescriptive thing. It says, if anyone is sick, call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And what is it that brings the person to full health? Prayer of faith and the Lord. It's the Lord that raises the person up. Who initiates that? What do you reckon? Who, who initiates in this scenario? Yeah? Or what? You're suggesting you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you've got three different things in there. So suffering first, pray. But it's on the person who's experiencing it each and every time. So if you're the person who's suffering, you pray. If you're the person who's cheerful, 
you sing praise. You're the person that's sick, then you call for the elders of the church. So the onus is on the person who is experiencing whatever they're experiencing to let that be a prompt for prayer. Interesting that the third time it's not you praying though, is it? It's calling for the elders of the church to come and to pray. And oil is interesting. And the way that you see oil throughout Scripture, what is something that the oil represents? Holy Spirit. Spirit, It does. And as you look back through the Old Testament, you see that the oil is used to anoint people for a particular purpose, like kings were anointed with oil. And it's a beautiful picture. We've actually got some oil here tonight. We're ready to get practical with this, not just theorize about prayer. Let's actually get into it, hey? Um, In half an hour when I finish my sermon, of course. So the oil is symbolic of this person being set apart. So we're declaring this person is set apart in order for God to do their work in them and through them. That's a beautiful little picture. The oil doesn't heal them. Prayer of faith and the Lord together is what actually heals the person. Chris, do you want to share your story? Yeah. Yeah. So we mentioned Chris before. So Chris uh, was here in Adelaide under very different circumstances last year. Uh, He's an old mate of ours from Darwin. And um, I'm just going to hand over to you. and Maybe you can tell us a bit about what happened. And um, obviously, you seem to be doing all right right now. Yeah, last time I saw Shane and Dave, I um, was I in a wheelchair. I think I was. Hey, you guys are a really friendly church. <laughs> like when I got here, we took the kids through there, and I didn't know what was going on. And I turned around, and you're all waving at me. <laughs> I was, whoa! <laughs> Thank you. It was really cool. No, you're praying for the kids. That was that was awesome. Um, look, I, um, I don't know if you know my story. So, so the basics of my story is I got, I got a cold and I got a sick and I went to my chest. And you know, you get a bit of a wet cough. Um, so this is July last year. And then um, I got really wet cough. You know when you cough up and it's yucky. Um, my r- right lung actually filled up with um, liquid um, and then my lung collapsed. And I had to be emergency flown on the jet down. They put me in a coma and then I had to be flown to Adelaide. So I was in hospital. I had two major surgeries. I was in ICU two times. You know when they got the tubes down your throat and all the beeping machines and full amnesia, couldn't walk. The whole whole thing happened. And um, so I was in ICU twice and then I was in hospital four months all up because I had three months here and a month back in Darwin. So I've been in rehab all the last six months since Christmas. I've been in rehab. Um, so, but I'm gonna. T- I just want to tell you. Uh, I want to. I just want to tell you. Um, I'm in a school, right? I'm a teacher, and so kids have heard my story. They in Darwin, people know my story. I, I want to tell you um, something I haven't told anyone else, and the kids are not in the room, so I can say this one. Um, I had a um, – so I had this very distinct moment um, when I was in my coma where everything was p- 
pitch black. Like in the movies, you know, you can hear the voices roughly every now and again. It's it's like you're in a room. It's like it's like a place. It's like a dark space. It feel, feels like there's depth and it feels like there's voices over there. So I was in that darkness and it's dark, 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 black, black, more black than black, you know. And I remember, this is going to sound stupid, I remember looking for the light. You know, like the movies, the light at the end of the tunnel, don't go to the light. Obviously, I'm aware of that image. So I remember looking, like, when am I going to see the light? Like, I wanted to die. Like, I really wanted to die. Because what I'd been through was just insane. And I remember not knowing, like, praying, God, why have I not died? And... um Waking up, and then I had to work through a few weeks of getting memory back and physical stuff to get strong enough to talk, get my voice back, and all that stuff. And by that stage, so probably about three, four, maybe about four weeks later, I was able to actually see my phone and use my fingers. I had these messages from you guys... I was getting messages from country towns in Queensland and Aboriginal communities where people I know through them, they know me and they've messaged, people have heard the story. And I had people contacting me from faraway places saying, we're praying for you. And this church prayed for me. And I heard about that. And I'm like, who the heck is McLaren Bell Church? What's going on here? Like, I don't even know them. And I went through... Uh, uh, God really um, taught me a big lesson that we're part of a big community. There's through these guys, they know that people in that church, and through them, you know, we we're not all different gangs. It's not like this church is different to that church down the road, and if they've got someone sick, we don't pray for them. It's not like that. Like I'm loved, and you guys prayed for me. You don't even know me. It's saying if someone's sick, call upon the elders and they pray for you. Like people called upon people to pray for me. And I had churches, there was more than one church in Adelaide praying for me. And I had places in New South Wales and Queensland, and like the story spread because it was a bit of a shocking story at the time. And uh, I really appreciate you guys praying for me because your prayers for me, like yes, the prayers, like when you say, you know, there's more to pray than we realize. There's a lot more to God than we realize. And this idea of that we're saints and we're praying and we're in community. Sorry, I'm needing a tissue. Um, oh, I've got one from the plane. It's all good. Um, it actually struck me in a way that I've never, ever felt before. Um, thanks. Like, you, are, you, you might say, oh, well, we prayed for a guy from Darwin and, okay, he's gone home to Darwin. And it doesn't impact you at all. But it impacted my life. And it didn't add a member to your church. It didn't do something for you. But it did something for us. Like it connected us stronger as a family. And, and you've been faithful. Brer, you know. And it's just taught me something that I need to appreciate. That the Christian life is not, why am I here? Why didn't I die? Why did I get healed? It's not. It's I really need to push into God's glory and the purposes he has and commit my life to serving that. 
And you've been part of that. And I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. so good as we continue to read through this we have this interesting dynamic that's introduced halfway through verse 15 so we've just read how the prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up and then if he has committed sins he'll be forgiven therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed this dynamic of confession, which we don't talk about a lot in the church. Confess your sins to one another. If you've got a mate that's a priest, feel free to confess to that mate who is a priest, but not only to a priest, if you get where I'm going with that one. Confess your sins to one another. It's interesting that it doesn't say, it doesn't specify that before the elders pray for you, you confess all of your sins to them. It doesn't say that. It says confess your sins to one another, but there's this link between unconfessed sin. I love as well that it's an if. If this person has committed sin, if that happens to be something that you know, you've struggled with at some time, sin, then confess that sin. Um, you don't have to tell everybody everything you've done wrong. But there should be nothing that you can't tell someone. And not just that you can't tell someone, but you're not actively telling. It means fess up. So confess your sins to one another. I'm just aware that when I said nothing you can't tell someone, that you could leave it as like, oh, I could tell them and not actually tell them. I was just trying to cover all my bases, but I made it more confusing to my mother-in-law. So confessing is a, is a part of this. We are to confess our sins and we are to pray for each other. We are to receive that. We are to be giving and receiving when it comes to, when it comes to prayer. And then this next verse, whew, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Very powerful in its effect. How are we righteous? Jesus. Yeah, it's his righteousness. I mean, if we just go across a couple of books, turn right to 1 John chapter 1 where we're told in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think there's a connection here. Like, yes, we are made righteous by his blood. And yes, there is this moment where we enter in. And sometimes we're conscious of that moment, sometimes we're not. But there's a moment where we are a part of that family and we go from darkness and we come into light. But we are to confess in an ongoing manner. Confess our sins. As we confess our sins, he 
cleanses us. It's not as we live a perfect life that we are righteous. As we confess our sins, he is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the prayer of a righteous person is someone who's willing to confess and actively confesses sin and someone who is dependent upon Jesus. So if that is you, your prayers are very powerful in their effect. Very powerful. I wonder if there's any examples of any person that's been powerful in their prayer. Oh, wait, verse 17. Elijah was a human being as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the land. And he prayed again. And the sky gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Boom. Just like us. Elijah was a human being as we are. And he prayed for something ridiculous. No rain. Three and a half years didn't rain. Prayings again, and it rains. Prayers of a righteous person are very powerful in their effect. And I appreciate there's so much in the mix of this. And we've ended up getting into, because it leads us there, into the area of healing. And I'm sure there's so many stories in here of praying for people and not seeing the person healed. But we're told to do it. We're also told that the Lord will raise him up. Like verse 15, it sounds like every time you pray, it's going to happen. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. What if we went in, what if we were able when something doesn't happen, able to process that, talk about it with others in a helpful way to be able to move on so that every time we came to pray for someone, we have this front and center. The Lord will save the sick person. The Lord will raise them up. The prayer of faith is going to do something. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. It's not that we deny that sometimes we don't see what we're asking for, but it's we don't let that dominate and we don't let it dissuade us from going back again and again and again because he does heal. We do see people like Chris who are restored and sometimes it happens through the intervention of medicine. Often it happens through the intervention of medicine. Praise God for the advancements in medical technology that we've seen in recent times. But other times it happens and it confounds medicine. Probably the most ridiculous illustration of medicine and prayer that I've personally seen is a time when someone was leading a devotion and they're out the front of the church and they dropped down and we heard the crash. So I had my eyes closed and then I hear this crash and it was her head hitting the table, and then she falls down. Um, and I had a nurse who was sitting next to me. I was at the very front. A nurse sitting next to me. We rush out. She starts performing CPR uh, because there were no signs of life. And this is a nurse that's checking for signs of life. There were zero signs of life. And 
she then starts to perform CPR and I'm praying, the rest of the church is praying and she was restored back to life. So she was dead and she came back to life. And I've, I've heard that it's pretty low. Like if there's not a, um, oh, what do you call them? Those defibs. If not a defib involved, it's like a 10 to 20% chance of someone actually coming back if their heart stops beating. Um, and this lady came back. And I'm very grateful um, for the nurse that was sitting next to me. Um, I don't know what would have happened if you had taken one of those elements out. Praise God that she's alive, you know. Um, yeah, I'm keen to spend a bit of time praying, so I'm going to wrap it up there. And we don't, we're, yeah, this is about the time we'd normally have, have dinner. So there's no, um, no sense of pressure where you have to stay in here. If you're like, yeah, I'm going to eat. Feel free to head on out. Um, but I, I want to set aside a little bit of time just to, to pray for one another. Like I said, that is oil. It's not brandy or whatever. Um, there is some oil over there. And if you would like to be anointed with oil, um, we'll pray for you. If yeah, there's something else you'd appreciate prayer for, let's, let's get around it. And let's pray first. Let's have that mentality that says... God is good. There's more to prayer than I understand. There's more to God than I understand. And I'm going to take this need to him. I'm also going to take the good things to him when I'm happy. When there's a rejoicing that needs to be um, entered into, I'm going to do that as well. Um, yeah, so I'm going to pray. And then you're going to ask each other if you can pray for one another. So, Father, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you for the amazing things that have happened, that we have testimony in Scripture, we have testimony um, all over the place of lives restored, of people that have come back from the dead, of people who have had ailments, who have been completely restored, those that have had the prognosis that was so dire that have managed to, uh, to come back from that. And so we thank you that you have done this again and again. And Lord, we ask that you do it again in our midst here tonight. We pray that we would see physical healing. We also ask that we would see answers to prayer in other spheres as well. Lord, for anyone who is here right now that is just feeling under it, who is just struggling with different things, I pray, Lord, that this would be a time where they experience your peace, but would also experience your provision. I pray that you would make a way where there isn't a way. Come, Holy Spirit, meet us where we're at. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. So I want to encourage you to, to come along on Tuesday night to the Richo's place and join us for a prayer meeting. I want to encourage you to set an alarm for the 2 for 2 for 22 and pray consistently for people throughout your week. But I also want to encourage you right here, right now, to pray for one another. So I encourage you to turn to the person next to you and to say, how can I pray for you? God bless you guys.